Welcome to the Christ and Classics podcast, where we consider the classics in light of the Christ. I'm Colton Moore. And I'm Devin Wilkins. And this is episode four, Mm. the Iliad book three. The plot thickens. The plot thickens. Devin, take us away. All right. Well, let me just summarize uh, the book here at the beginning, and then maybe you can ask the opening question, Colton. Sounds great. So we've got the the Trojans and the Achaeans marching out to one another uh, to fight. And as they do, Paris, he jumps out ahead and he challenges the Achaeans to a one-to-one combat instead of an all-out return to war. And Menelaus eagerly volunteers. Uh, And Paris, as a result, uh, cowardly retreats back into the ranks of the Trojans, kind of running away. And then Hector rebukes his brother for his cowardice outright. And Paris reacts, or sorry, he retracts his cowardly retreat and decides, you know what? No, I will fight. And then Menelaus, uh, or he will fight Menelaus uh, in a duel, uh, mano a mano. And so Hector announces this to both uh, armies and Menelaus accepts. Um, and he wants peace. And so they decide that, that they're going to have uh, Priam come and, and shake on it. Uh, the Did messen- you say Priam? Isn't it Priam? I, or you say Priam? I say Priam. Uh, I say Priam. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, gosh. We're going to run into all these pronunciation problems as we go along. All right. Progress. What, what does Fagel say in the... <laughs> In the oh, pronunciation I read, that, I read the whole introduction and then I just skimmed through the pronunciation stuff because it was really technical and I thought I just want to read this thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep going. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So basically, the idea is whoever wins the duel gets the girl and all of her wealth. And if the Trojans win, then the Greeks got to get out of Dodge. And if the Greeks win, then the Trojans have to cough up uh, Helen. But then also, they have to pay reparations, Ooh. which is interesting. Oh. Um, but they, they are eager for the war to be over. Uh, and so Helen is actually informed of all this by the goddess Iris. And uh, she, uh, she tells Helen to look upon both armies out in the battlefield. Uh, she says, think of it. Paris and Menelaus, loved oh. by Ares go to fight out in their rugged spear or with their rugged spears, all of all for you and the man who wins that duel, you'll be called his wife. Oh, (laughs) have you ever seen, um, did you see the movie Moana? I did. Yeah. And do do you, do you remember when, um, Maui goes, like, is, is, uh, whispering into Moana's ear and like, she does it, um, later on. And it's like, you're so amazing. Remember that thing? So, right. When I read this section, I I picture Aphrodite in in Helen's ear. Think of it, Paris and Menelaus, loved by Ares. They go, they go to fight it out with the rugged spears, all for you. And the man who wins that duel, you'll be called his wife. (laughs) It's just like, oh gosh, and she's like, oh really? Anyways, sorry. No, no, you're good. So, uh. You know, you would think that that uh, maybe the prospect of this fight would scare uh, Helen or something to that effect, but 
In fact, she's filled with longing for Menelaus. Mm. Uh, Fagel's translation says, yearning warm and deep for her husband yeah. long ago, yeah. her city and her parents. Um, she tells, or she stands on the walls of the city of Troy with Priam uh, observing the armies. And Priam tells her that he doesn't blame her. Uh, in fact, he goes so far to say, I hold the gods to blame. They are the ones yeah. who brought this war upon me. And then Helen tells Priam uh, who all the fighters are because Priam is actually pretty impressed with the Greek lineup, which is interesting. Uh, Agamemnon, Odysseus, uh, Big Ajax. Uh, <laughs> and then Priam goes onto the battlefield. He does ratify with uh, uh, Agamemnon and others. Uh, it basically giving an oath that whoever wins this, it's over. That's it. And then the duel begins. Menelaus, uh, well, Paris first strikes Menelaus with the spear, and then Menelaus strikes Paris, and <laughs> Menelaus can throw a much better spear than Paris. Oh, yeah. Paris, is, <laughs> Paris is not doing so hot after that spear, but Menelaus just kind of brushed it off. And then uh, Menelaus gets the upper hand. He's dragging Paris along. Aphrodite interferes and she snatches him away in a mist and brings him back to his bedroom and says, wait here, basically. And she goes and gets, <laughs> goes and gets Helen and tempts Helen to lust after Paris to come back to the bedroom. Helen re rebukes Aphrodite, which is fascinating. And then she uh, kind of unwillingly goes to uh, see Paris with uh, Aphrodite's uh, lead here, and she blasts him for being a coward and mm. shirking the glory of the battle. But then Paris says, you know what? Let's go to bed. <laughs> and book three <laughs> ends with them, you know, uh, doing their, their thing and, and uh, Agamemnon claiming victory over the Trojans. So that's a long-winded summary of, of book three. Right. And so, like, before I, – I've got one main question to ask, but before I even ask that question, I just want to keep in mind that this whole book is coming off the heels of book two where Zeus has just deceived Agamemnon, the general of the Greeks, into basically blitzing Troy um, as a means to uh, – uh, well, as beguiling him into uh, the trap of what I think is Thetis's prayer. Like right. Achilles, is, Achilles is going to be exalted, and as a result, uh, well, he's going to be exalted by means of the Trojans um, killing his own people, the Greeks. Mm -hmm. And this is all part of it. And so we, we, this, is, this is the first battle we see um, after Thetis uh, has appealed to Zeus and, and they meet uh, and they're about to fight and then Menelaus and Paris kind of go at it and what yeah. I find <laughs> yeah what what I find there's so much to, 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 to think about with, with this and mm -hmm. but I just want to focus on um, Paris and Helen okay Paris and Helen seem to kind of take the steal the show if you will of this book and so my question is, why would Homer juxtapose Paris and all his cowardice mm -hmm. 
with Helen. Um, and even in all her, what seems to be some sort of uh, repentant remorse. And like for now, let, for now, let's just forget the ending of book three, where she actually goes back to bed with her with her man with Paris, who, who, whom she thinks is, is a is a coward. Um, yeah. And and let's just picture her up on the walls, looking at her her old family members and friends, and weeping. Um, mm-hmm. uh, often, Fagel's translation will have strong words uh, for uh, for Helen accusing herself for her own whoredom and um and so paris is a coward and hector Mm -hmm. really brings that out um Mm. we we see him at the very beginning he's he's the challenger and he's dressed for battle and he's ready to go on the front lines and like homer really um homer really uh makes him makes him out to be something really special he says uh where is it at uh, You're talking uh, about Paris, or sorry, yes, Paris. In online, like seventeen or eighteen, Paris. He's straying mm-hmm. from the Trojan forward ranks, a challenger, lithe, magnificent as a god. The skin of a leopard slung across <laughs> his shoulders, a reflex bow at his back, and a battle sword at his hip. In brandishing two sharp spears, tipped in bronze, he strode forth, challenging all the Argive best to fight him face to face in mortal combat. Mm, he's been <laughs> good, right? Yeah. And then, and then. He sees Menelaus and like in line 35 or so, he says, Paris's spirit shook backing into his friendly ranks. He cringed from death as one who trips on a snake in a hilltop hollow recoil. Suddenly trembling grips his knees and pallor takes his cheeks and back he shrinks. Oh, and here's, here's, here's the most ironic and uh, hilarious line. So Paris, he dissolved again into the proud Trojan lines, dreading Atreides, Menelaus, that magnificent, brave Paris. <laughs> so he's like, <laughs> yeah. he's all ready to go until it's actually time to fight. And he sees the guy. He's like, oh gosh, he's got some big arms. Let me just right. ease back into in, back into my <laughs> back into the troops. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, in in a very human moment, I I don't blame him. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, I might be feeling pretty good myself, and then all of a sudden, I'd be like, ooh, I don't know, I don't know, I. You know, I, I, t- I take it back. I take it back. I saw the muscles on that guy. Yeah, and like it, it this whole plays into uh, I think uh, uh, Homer's view of of honor and and glory that Hector mm. highlights for Paris. He he calls Paris a mockery, um, mm-hmm. and not just for Paris's own sake, but for the sake of his people, the Trojans. And he says, you, uh, you you shame our people, you who robbed Menelaus of, quote, his sumptuous, warm wife. And reviewed from the, the other prince, Hector, who's um, an upstanding man. And I can't wait till we get to book six, where we see Hector with his little baby boy and his wife in drama. It's my favorite, which mm. is, it's, 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 um, it's a precious scene. Uh, and, That's and, your favorite. Really, my favorite's book 24. Oh, I forgot. I like book twenty-one too. <laughs> I really like the Iliad. I really, I really love the Iliad. Yeah, um, you're, you're an Iliad man. And, it's so know, good. It you got to convince me that the Odyssey is 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 better than the Iliad. Um, I don't have to do that. It'll do it itself. <laughs> come on, come on. Oh, um, I, yeah. yeah. I, I, I like wait. Hector is his brother, right? Because. He basically says we'd be better if you had never been born. Mm. Um, yeah, isn't that yeah. right? And yeah, we 
I'm looking for it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So around line 45. Uh-huh. Would to God you'd never been born. Oh. Died unwed. That's all I'd ask. <laughs> Better that way by far to have you strutting here. An outrage, a mockery in the eyes of all our enemies. Right? No one likes Paris. <laughs> no one. Yeah. Um, but to your point, well, uh, I'm not sure if you made this point yet, but somehow all that ridicule from his brother actually prompts Paris to, to, to reply saying in line 70, yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm cowardly. <laughs> right. It, that will appear later on in the, in the book, uh, in book six, when Hector goes back to Troy and uh, Hector uh, and Paris is still in the city and they go out together and, and Hector is still like uh, rebuking him. And Paris is like, ah, you're right. You're right. But, Watch me catch up with you. Anyways, so <laughs> it's so we have this whole scene right here, and then Homer shifts the attention to um, Paris's stolen bride, Helen, and Helen Ooh. is in uh, the city, and Aphrodite comes to her and brings her up to the to the um, a tower to look out on the battlefield with her father-in-law, uh, Priam, and. We get like a second catalog, whereas book two is like the catalog of the ships of all the different mm-hmm. peoples that, that that make up in this war. Helen catalogs some of the main right. characters, such as uh, Agamemnon right off the bat, Telamonian, Ajax, like Ajax the Great, who's the who's the the strongest warrior for the Argives, though not the um, best warrior. That's Achilles. Uh, Odysseus is there. And, she, and all the while she's weeping. It says warm tears. She she longs for her husband. She's you get a sense of 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 a repentant adulterer, and she is. It's 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 kind of a a heartwarming scene, and you kind of feel at least I do. You kind of feel for it. It's like okay, she does have a, a heart, and right. what's she gonna do with it? Because her right. her lover boy, so called husband, is just acting a fool and seems to be completely oblivious uh, to, to his own faults. And mm-hmm. so the battle ensues and then Paris's performance on the battlefield is, is embarrassing and he's in need of rescue. He's about to get strangled to death by Menelaus. Who's got him by the helmet and the chin straps cutting the circulation off of his windpipe. Mm-hmm. And then like, like Fagel's translation, it, it happens often in the Iliad where of somebody's about to die and then it says but if it wasn't for insert your <laughs> goddess or god and, and come and come yeah. to save the day and aphrodite aphrodite agamemnon had the same he had the same favor earlier in the book agamemnon oh in this book book three no sorry in, in book one. Oh, wait what am i forgetting <laughs> remember uh achilles is about to Oh, that's right. That's right. He was about to to stab him in the gut. Yeah. And then Hera came down, or Athena. Yeah. Athena. Athena on behalf of Hera. That's right. And you're like, man, come on. Yeah. Yeah. And what's what I find interesting is that this coward is saved by, uh, what Homer calls quote the the coward goddess. In book five. Now, what's interesting about Aphrodite here is that Aphrodite is, I think you might have already said it, she seems to be the only one who really loves Paris. 
Um, be, and the only reason that I can think of that is this common cultural uh, knowledge of what's commonly called the judgment of Paris, where Paris gave Aphrodite the golden apple, and Aphrodite mm-hmm. in return gave her gave him Helen. And which I think they allude to elsewhere in the Iliad, just it's hasn't really come up quite yet. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And so my question is, what is Homer trying to communicate to us by by um, juxtaposing, putting these two characters in concert with one another when they're they seem to be in completely different uh, mindsets at this point in their in their story? Helen is repenting and longing to make things right with her rightful husband. And Paris is still pretty selfish and um, wants to preserve his own life at the expense of others. And mm-hmm. he's just uh, giving into his carnal passions rather than um, being where he's supposed to be. Kind of like David, right? With, with David should have been on the front line in battle. Um, but yeah, what happened? He, he stayed back and um, right. committed murder right. and adultery. And uh, long story short, so I just had that thought on, on the fly. I wonder if there's any real connection there, but I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah, I. It it does seem on the on the topic of Helen uh, and, and Paris. <clears throat> I, I'm assuming that they had. Uh, nine great years up to this point. <laughs> but <laughs> at the moment, you're like, how are these two a couple? I mean, they, she doesn't seem interested at all. She thinks he's a coward. In fact, it seems that everyone thinks he's a coward except Aphrodite. Uh, she's the one who's eager to to rescue him. Uh, but she she may very well be the only person who loves Paris uh, at the point of this book. Anyway, I, I will say that Priam, he, he, uh, toward the end of this book, book three, he's unable to watch because he, he does still love his son, despite the fact that he, <laughs> right. yeah. he, he knows that he's going to die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cause well, he doesn't compare to middle East. Were yeah. you going to say something? Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm just sitting here looking at um, Helen while she's on the the um, the the tower with Priam as she's looking all over the battlefield. And mm. uh, Helen, is, Homer says, and Helen, the radiance of women, answered Priam, quote, I revere you so, dear father. Dread you too. Like, I, I fear you. Mm-hmm. I honor you father-in-law but I, I dread you too I don't, I don't like you if only death had pleased me then grim death that day I followed your son to Troy forsaking my marriage bed my kinsman and my child my favorite now full grown so she's she's been away in Troy and she's not watched her son grown up grow up to be a young man and then she mm-hmm. keeps going and the lovely com- uh uh Comradeship. How do you pronounce that? Uh, com- comradeship. 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 <laughs> comradeship. Comradeship. I'm just say camaraderie. <laughs> of of women my own age. Death never came, so now I can only waste away in tears. So she's like, 
Right. She's in utter despair uh, over her decision. She's she's for she she's forsaken everything, mm-hmm. and she regrets it. And Paris regrets nothing. Apparently, have you ever seen the uh, not great movie, perhaps uh, Click, with Adam Sandler? Oh uh, no, but I'm vaguely familiar with the concept of like fast forwarding and re- rewinding time. Right, and he fast forwards so much that it gets out of control, and he can't he can't um, slow it down, and so he accidentally basically fast forwards through his life, and that's what that is an an awful probably thing to think of uh, an Adam Sandler movie. (laughs) You know, she's kind of been in a trance almost by Aphrodite. I I gather. Right. All of a sudden she's come to her senses and realizes she still has affection for her, her husband of old, you know, and she's got a child who's now full grown. She missed out on her son's childhood. Mm. And it, it's kind of like she's come to uh, come to her senses and realizes I've missed it. You know, I've missed my husband and my child. And I'm here with this, this poor excuse of a man. He's a coward. How did I get here? Yeah. Yeah. The, Paris is going to uh, show his head again um, in, in the coming books, uh, particularly, uh, I've already mentioned it, book six, with Hector pitted up against um, Paris. But I'm just now thinking, too, I, I wonder if Homer has structured this intentionally so that we get a glimpse into... Helen's uh, motherhood with her abandoned, with her son that she abandoned. And then when we come back later to Hector and we see a man who is faithful to his wife, he's a loving father to his son. And that's in direct contrast to his uh, pitiful brother, Paris, and uh, his adulterous wife, Helen, who has forsaken her husband. And has forsaken her own son. So, I mean, in my mind, this just confirms. Um, it's just another uh, a- example of a human being made in the image. I'm talking about the author now. Who sees a real beauty and mm. a wholesomeness to the nuclear family with a husband and a wife and a child. Helen is lamenting something real and something that she ought to lament the abandonment of her of of her other self really her husband and the offspring of 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 of, of her her offspring right. and Homer I think I mean I I think he wants us to feel that and 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 to see ha- Paris as what not to uh, be, not to be like him, but to be like Helen. If you find yourself in a situation like Helen, you should be weeping warm tears as she is looking over at the the armies and she's remembering Ooh. what she's lost and what she's caused. And right, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, I think it's a picture of, of, of a kind of repentance that's admirable. Yeah, and I think it, it just goes to show that um, marriage is kind of it's something that's been since the garden in the beginning 
and mm. a good man treats his wife well and guards her and and certainly doesn't uh, take another man's wife, right? And so there's there is uh, some of that coming through here. We love Hector. Everyone loves Hector. Hector's feared by the Greeks, loved by the Trojans. And no one loves Paris except Aphrodite, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. And so um, there's, there is this perhaps uh, recognition of a, a common grace or recognition that uh, marriage and virtue, these are good things. And actually they go together and Paris will have neither of them you know mm. yeah and it's almost like a uh, warning for us as well yeah like, say more <laughs> well, I, I was just thinking well i had a few thoughts kind of rapid fire as we're kind of wrapping up here but yeah. just at, at what at what point can we discern um certain imperatives that an author wants to communicate in a book or a poem like this without directly communicating them because it is it, for example it's really clear that we ought not to we ought not view paris in a positive light but yeah. does that necessarily mean that homer is saying hey reader or listener at the time don't be like him maybe yeah i would think so uh, yeah I think the heroic stories, you know, they put the exemplary on display um, positively and or negatively. Yeah, it reminds me of a um, of a chapter that N.T. Wright wrote in a small little book on scripture. They, they went through a couple editions, I think. But basically, mm. one of the first chapters is, is about, uh, it asks the question, how can a story command our lives he, he establishes yeah. that the scriptures are fundamentally a story and then he says well the scriptures also command you and so how yeah. can a story command you and i thought that's very profound because that applies not just to the bible but to other works of literature as well um just just which i could i could go on and on um, about some of the things that we've talked about in my in my classes but um Devin, yeah. where we could we could go on and on. So, mm -hmm. I think I've got in my mind a, a better kind of picture in my mind of, about perhaps why Homer may have put Paris and Helen next to one another. Mm. Uh, in a word, what what is your? Oh, in one word. What, 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 uh, well, or in a couple oh. words, what's okay? Here we go. What's your? Uh, <laughs> what's the clarity you've gained here? Um, well, in a couple of words, let's just say two words. Ready? Family matters. I don't think before even recording what we're recording mm. right now, I, I had put together the whole familial piece. I, I had a, I had an idea of glory and honor being, um, bound up in, uh, what Paris lacks and what Helen wants, but mm. I hadn't, but I hadn't thought about family and Paris yeah. lacking what he 
originally sought out to achieve and really what kind of uh, Aphrodite low-key promised him. Mm. Uh, but Helen really turning around and desiring ultimately that which she should have kept on to, which was her husband and her son. And she's lost it. Mm. Yeah, and, uh, well, she, she's lost it until Menelaus comes and gets her. <laughs> yeah. So if that, if, yes. if that ever happens, you got to wait till book 24. <laughs> Actually, even then it doesn't, you don't really know. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler alert. My goodness. You got to read the Odyssey and, and maybe a few more Greek works to figure it out. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's interesting because uh, uh, it, it matters for Hector and Priam's family generally, but not Paris. And it now matters for Helen, and it seems to have mattered for Menelaus, who came for her, right? But and has been fighting for her for nine years. But there are plenty of. I mean, Agamemnon doesn't seem to, to care as much uh, Odysseus certainly does mm-hmm. so yeah yeah seems like there it's a mixed bag on both sides um, but the admirable characters the characters that I believe Homer wants us to you know be interested in to root for they are they're they're, they're family people oh interesting yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so uh, I know we got to go but the whole war is begins because of a family problem wife is stolen mm-hmm. and this idea of family husbands wife children Thetis, achilles menelaus is is going to get helen helen's with a with a false husband um priam and his son especially as we get towards the end and then when we get to the odyssey it's all about families being reunited so i wonder yeah. at least in my mind right now i'm thinking That's okay right. i need i need to keep this concept of family in my mind as i as as we keep reading through the iliad and then especially as we progress into the odyssey yeah so it will look a little different i mean yeah it's more about loyalty than it is about mm. exclusivity. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, uh, so it's not entirely Christian, but but the overarching theme is there. Yeah. yeah. Man. Man, you know what we need right now? What's up? We need um, we need our good buddy Micah to, to come in and just kind of just take us away, like shroud us in a mist like Aphrodite did, and just, and just like take us to a cloud with some some really chill jazzy version of a of a famous hymn and take us away you know as we as we kind of like the one we did last time (laughs) oh that would be a great idea that'd be a great idea Uh, let's call him up all right micah shred take it away (laughs) all right sign it out sign it out Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glose House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, 
Glossa House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glossahouse.com today. Glossa House, language resources for the global community.